I've heard it said you steer where you stare. We are bombarded daily with voices vying for our attention. And if we fill our days and minds with Netflix and social media feeds, we can get off track pretty quick. That's why I developed a 30-day music challenge. Listen to Christian music exclusively for 30 days. The challenge is free, and I'll be right there with you every step of the way. Head over to michellenizette.com forward slash 30-day challenge to sign up. Change your music, change your life. You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 478. And welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. I want to start today's episode with a quick praise report. Uh, Many of you know that I started this podcast in February of 2014. I produced a weekly podcast for eight years, and then I moved to a bi-weekly podcast this year in 2023 because I needed the extra margin to work on my first book. Praise report. I completed my second first draft under the guidance and prayer and encouragement of my book coach, Brad, over at the company. And you can find him and many wonderful writing resources at writers.company. Uh, Please keep praying as I move through the rigorous editing process. There are at least four rounds of editing before I send it back to Brad for a developmental edit and so many details that you may or may not care about, but I covet your prayers. I feel them and I cannot wait to continue to give you progress reports. So what's the book about? Well, it's a parable, a story told to then be used as a teaching tool to teach about, in this case, the authority of scripture. But the story is about a young woman who is floundering in a sea of voices, trying to discern which ones to listen to. And with that in mind, I'm honored that you choose to allow my voice to be a part of your story. So let's get to talking about the song. Uh, I chose this week's song, Strong by Ann Wilson, because the lyrics and the title led me to seek out what's scripture says about this topic. I don't need pithy sayings, cute memes, inspirational quotes, humanistic phrases. I don't need any of that about being strong. I need truth, and I can't wait to explore it with you. But first, let's listen. I am so excited to share what I uncovered this week in scripture because these lyrics really do reflect what scripture teaches. And so this is going to make this song the perfect partner to remind you of what you've studied. And that is the power of harnessing music to remind you of truth. But before we get to that, I'm also going to link to a story behind the song in the show notes. And you can find those show notes at michellekneesat.com forward slash 478 or they are in your inbox if you're a subscriber. But from the interview that my friend Kevin Kevin Davis over at newreleasetoday.com did with Ann Wilson, and Ann says this, I wrote this song to remind myself and anyone else struggling that real strength isn't fighting our way through on our own. It's hitting your knees, looking up, and asking God to give you the strength you need to make it through. 
So what does God's word say about all of this? Well, I immediately thought of Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, when I am weak, then I am strong. And this seems a little crazy until you study it in context, which we are getting ready to do. So reading in context is my favorite Bible interaction tool exercise. I call these exercises bites for short. And if you only get one new habit from listening to my podcast, I hope you will choose this one. I learned it from Brother Munyon in Bible college way back in the 1900s, and I never looked back. Uh, it means, though, that I read more scripture than I ever did before reading in context, and it has the added benefit of putting up guardrails to avoid taking God's word out of context. So how do I define reading in context? Well, loosely, I say it is at least the chapter before, the chapter, and the chapter after of kind of this focused area of study. So in our case, it would be 2 Corinthians chapters 11 through 13, since our focused area of study is in chapter 12. However, I make an exception when it comes to letters. I mean, would you take a letter and read one sentence out of the middle and then put it down? Um, well, I mean, sometimes I think that's what my kids do when I email them. But really, you need to take you need to read the whole letter to understand how that one sentence fits in. And Second Corinthians is only 13 chapters. You can totally do it. So let's say you've recently read Second Corinthians or like today, we don't have time to read it all the way through together on the podcast. But we want to get our bearings as we approach those last three chapters I like to take the bite of consulting the section headings. Now, these are the headings found in your Bible. These are merely study tools. They were not in the original text, but they are useful to get your bearings on something that you've already read. Not so useful if you've never read it before or if you hadn't read it recently. So use this as your excuse to take a day and read 2 Corinthians, meaning read it all the way through today. You can interact with it more tomorrow. It won't take all day to read, by the way, <laughs> but like just make that choice to do that today and then take another step tomorrow. But even if you do read it all at once, Gordon Fee and Douglas, Douglas Stewart say in their book, uh, reading, uh, it's a uh, how to read the Bible book by book, I think is where I got the quote from. But reading Second Corinthians is something like turning on the television in the middle of a very complicated play. People are talking and things are happening, but we're not at all sure who some of the characters are or what the plot is. And they also say reading First Corinthians doesn't really help to get your bearings in reading Second Corinthians. Awesome. All right. So I don't say this to discourage you. I say it to encourage you. Sometimes reading and understanding your Bible is harder than other times, you know, and sometimes you sit down and go, God, this feel like I just walked into the middle of a story. And they agree. So sometimes it does take more work. I do promise it's worth it. But there's nothing wrong with you when you stumble into some sections of scripture and you're just a little bit feeling like you don't like you need a, a map. All right. So this is when a good overview will be helpful as you read uh, the letter. So I always recommend the Bible overview videos from the Bible Project. And again, I will link to the one for 2 Corinthians in the show notes for you. And that's another bite, by the way, consult an overview. So now that you're armed with reading the letter, then you go watch that video, consult that overview, maybe even read it again now that you've gotten your bearings with this overview. Now we can focus in on the immediate context around Paul's discussion about weakness and strength. So when we take the bite of reviewing the section heading, starting in chapter 10, we see Paul defends his ministry. Then in chapter 11, we see Paul and the false apostles, 
He gets super sarcastic in this section of scripture. He even calls them like super apostles. And you can hear the sarcasm dripping from his words. It always makes me giggle a little bit. And then the next section title is Paul's Sufferings as an Apostle. And there's a whole host of cross-references that you could follow into the book of Acts to see the backstory of what Paul is saying in chapter 11. But for today, we're going to stay focused here. But then we see in chapter 12, Paul's vision and visions and his thorn. And it is the end of this section that will be our focus. But before we come back to that, let's just see what comes next. So we've got Paul's vision and his thorns and then concern for the Corinthian church, final warnings, and then final greetings. So we're right here at the tail end of this letter. So let's hop back up to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And let me repeat that we go from Paul's sufferings to his visions and his thorn. And Paul is basically going back and forth between his qualifications and proof that he is a true apostle and not one of these false super apostles that the Corinthians are just so drawn to. But he goes back and forth between his qualifications and the awful, painful things of his life. And Fee and Stewart say this, Paul repeatedly glories in his weaknesses, not because he liked to suffer, but because it meant that attention was focused on the Savior, not on the messenger. And uh, we're going to unpack this and I think even go a little bit deeper than that phrase today. So there are some red letters in this section, meaning that Jesus's words to Paul are recorded in this section. Some pretty amazing things happened to Paul. One notable thing is that God showed him heaven. And uh, this is what Paul says about that in verse seven. He says, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. And then when Paul asked for God to take away this thorn, here's Jesus's red letter response. It says, but he said to me in verse nine, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So this red letter statement causes Paul to come to this conclusion. Therefore, he says in verse nine, at the end of verse nine, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, we are not really sure what the thorn was that that God gave Paul, but this is a summary list that kind of includes all of it. I'm sure the thorn was in this list, everything he talked about leading up to this discussion about the thorn in the flesh. So don't don't let this list of, you know, sufferings and weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and calamities, you know, uh, make you think that they are anything any less than this thorn. The thorn is in, in involved in all of this. It's it's tucked into this list of suffering. So what is Paul saying? Well, if Christ's power is made perfect in weakness, then I want to be weak because my strength isn't the point of the matter. His power is. So I started my interaction with scripture from this phrase for when I am weak, then I am strong because our song's title is strong. And I want to know what the Bible has to say about this. So I took the bite of completing a word study. And this means looking up the original word in the Greek and then also consulting Bible dictionaries and lexicons to get a deeper understanding of the original word. Now, I use a pretty robust software system called Logos, and I have links to that in the show notes as well. 
there is a free version of Logos. I have a paid version with some some additional resources, but there are other free tools at your fingertips. For example, BibleHub.com is one of my favorites as well. So I can look up this word in the original language and I discover that the Greek word for strong is dynatos in this verse. The Greek word for strong in this verse is dynatos. It means capable or having the skills and qualifications to do something well. And that's the thing about being strong, isn't it? It's not just survival. It's like overcoming, right? It's it's uh, capability. It's skills and qualifications. So Paul actually takes the bite of contrasting right here in this verse. He is contrasting weak with strong. And the Greek word for weak here is astheneo, which can be translated incapacity. So here we have an incapable versus capable. When I am weak, then I am strong. When I am incapacitated, then I am capable. Well, how can that be? (laughs) Because Christ's power is made perfect in weakness. The power of Christ rests on me in my weakness, not in my striving, but in my weakness, in my hardships in my calamities, in my insults and persecutions. So let's hop up to those red letters and then look closer at three of the words there. Jesus says, my power is made perfect in weakness. So what is the word for power there? Well, it's it's related to donatos, which is the word we saw for strength, but it's on a whole different level. So this is not just capability, it's dynamis. I'm probably mispronouncing this. <clears throat> Nobody fact check me. All right. Uh, But the word dynamis means possession of controlling influence, often understood as manifesting influence over reality in a supernatural manner. So the dynamis of Christ rests on me and gives me dynatos. So the power of Christ rests on me and gives me strength. The supernatural influence of Christ rests on me and then makes me capable, but only when I'm weak. And the word for weakness in Jesus's words, my power is made perfect in weakness, is the same root word as the word for weak that we already looked at. So just to flesh it out a little bit more, it is asthenia, and it carries the same idea of incapacity or limitations. It is a lack of physical or natural qualifications. So I'm sure you've heard the phrase, God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. Well, I think that might be a little bit of what it's implying here. But how does he qualify us? By letting us get really, really low. By incapacitating us so that his power may rest on us. And so one more word to bring additional clarity here. What about the word translated perfect? So my power is made perfect in weakness. Well, it comes from the Greek word teleo, which means complete, finished, accomplished, or fulfilled. So Christ's supernatural influence over reality is accomplished in our frailty. That is how Paul can say, when I am weak, then I am strong. Because it's only when we're weak that the power of Christ may rest on us. 
I had the privilege of teaching a live class this week to some college students at the Leadership College at our church. We had this wonderfully robust discussion where uh, the many viewpoints just really, really enriched the discussion in ways that I don't think they fully appreciate, but I got super excited. At one point, I exclaimed, you know, isn't studying the Bible so fun? And um, one of the, the students kind of mocked me, playfully mocked me and said, especially when we do it together. And, you know, maybe I've mentioned the importance of reading and studying the Bible together a time or two or more with them. But that bite, that Bible interaction tool exercise of studying with a friend is so powerful and rewarding. And those students said things I never would have come up with. So I'm just going to encourage you, please, please, please be courageous and study with a friend. Um, I do have a point here because later in the week, I spent a day with a friend who was telling me about her Bible study group, and she's doing some uh, verse mapping in her Bible study group, and they were preparing a discussion on, drumroll, this very verse. (laughs) And no way. I said, no way. I've been studying that this week for the next podcast. And so she whipped out her notes and read me some discussion questions that she had prepared. And I said what I often say to people, uh, you know, uh, oh, be careful what you say around me because that could end up on the podcast. And so, in fact, I it, I did because I said, oh, send me those questions because I want to use a few of them on the podcast. But her first question was to find other Bible passages to support or clarify your thoughts on this apparent paradox in verse 10, the one we've been talking about, when I am weak, then I am strong. And I said, oh, that's easy. I immediately thought of Gideon in Judges because I'd been studying that. So she jotted down Judges chapter 6 for further study on her own, and I asked her to share her discussion questions with me, as I said, mostly because question two is a doozy. I can't wait to share it with you. Um, But before we get there, let's go look at Gideon, because that's really where I was headed in my own study. So we just encouraged one another and gave each other fresh ideas, um, just as we were happened to be studying the same verse. We weren't even studying together this week, but it worked out really cool in a really cool way. So for your study, I'm going to ask you to read Judges chapter six through eight, because that is the whole story of Gideon. It is in context of the period of a series of judges. So basically, after the people of God entered the promised land, they did not exactly follow God's battle plan. Surprise, surprise. And so after Joshua dies, the Bible says there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. Isn't that just devastating sounding? You know, like just one generation removed from, you know, losing faith. But they abandoned God and they they went after other gods, which is what he warned them. If they left anybody, you know, in in the land and they hung out with them, then they were going to start following their gods. And this, of course, angers God. And in Judges chapter two, verse 14, he says, it says, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. But, you know, even in God's anger at their rebellion, his mercy was never far behind. And in verse 16, it says, then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Uh, This would last for a season. 
And then they would disobey again. Verse 18, whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. So Gideon is one one of these judges. And as I said, you can read his story in chapter six through eight. But here is why I want to look at Gideon. When we meet Gideon, the terror of the Midianites was such that he was hiding in a pit of a wine press trying to thresh wheat so that the Midianites wouldn't take it from him. Um, Threshing wheat in a pit is not is is not easy and <laughs> not a good idea, not how it's designed. It was a dark time, calamity and hardship, like Paul mentioned. And and an angel of the Lord appears to Gideon and he calls him a mighty man of valor, which he first ignores and then objects to later. Let's read it together. Verse 12. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, he didn't even say anything about the whole you know, mighty man of valor thing. But he says, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do not I send you. And he said to him, please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I'll be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. So as we just read, the first argument Gideon had was about the presence of the Lord. He didn't quite agree with this idea that the Lord was with them. And then the Lord says, go in this might of yours. And I thought of this story because one time I was reading the New Living Translation, and it reads, go with the strength you have. So then Gideon's like, well, that's a joke because I'm the least in the house of the weakest clan of Manasseh. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. And so I did a little word study here, too, to see what the Hebrew word translated might in the ESV and strength in the New Living Translation meant. And guess what? It means ability, just like our word for strong in Second Corinthians means capable. So for the longest time, I misinterpreted this scripture. I always said things like, see, God had already put the strength in Gideon that he needed to accomplish the task. He just didn't see it yet. But now that I've done this in-depth study in 2 Corinthians, I think I'm mistaken. You know, Gideon's lack of ability, his lack of qualifications, his limitations, his least of the father's house that was least in the clan of one of the least of the tribes is just the kind of lack God was looking for. This kind of weakness is the fertile soil of life for the power of Christ to work. And I don't have time to unpack it further here, but if you read the rest of Gideon's story, you're going to see this to be true. He didn't bring any strength at all. What Gideon brought to the table was weakness, feebleness, incapacity, limitations, frailty, a lack of physical or natural qualifications. And yet God's power worked through him. Once he listened to God, accepted the call and walked with God. So much more I could unpack here. But before before we go, though. I do want to share that question that I had said was a doozy. I want to share my friend's second question. So in light of all we've discovered in 2 Corinthians and in light of the truth that we've uncovered being fully on display in the life of Gideon, this understanding that Christ's supernatural influence over reality 
is accomplished in our frailty? Here's her question. You're you're not ready. (laughs) But she says, knowing for when I am weak, then I am strong. And I'm going to add, now that we understand that Christ's supernatural influence over reality is accomplished in our frailty, uh, why do we pray for strength to survive life's difficulties, whether for ourselves or for others? Does asking for strength take us out of God's will for us to be weak? And I'm going to leave you with that question. (laughs) Uh, Please don't try to come up with a tweetable answer. I think the answer is much more nuanced than at first blush. But, But as I said, in light of what you've learned today, answer this question. Does asking for strength take us out of God's will for us to be weak? And then study for yourself. And then in light of what you learn after those study efforts, answer the question again. Uh, I'm I'm going a little bit longer than normal today, and there's just so much more that I want to say. So let's do this. Um, grab the episode guide at michellenizet.com forward slash 478 download, and then I will walk you through this whole study together, and then I'll add a bonus page in that guide to walk you through the rest of my study on this. If you're already a subscriber, this resource is in your inbox, but if you're not, you just go to michellenizet.com forward slash 478 download, drop your email, and I'll send you the, it's going to be a two-page PDF this week that's going to guide your study based on this episode. So what's next? We'll read 2 Corinthians chapter 12, read it in context, potentially read the entire letter, and um, maybe even watch the Bible Project overview video before narrowing your focus to this contrast found in chapter 12 between strength and weakness. Complete word studies on uh, words like strong in verse 10 or power, perfect, and weakness in verse 9. Take your new understanding and then read Gideon's account in Judges 6 through 8 and see how you might absorb the details of that story differently. And then download this week's episode guide for additional cross-references as we seek God to strengthen us according to his word, as the psalmist prays in Psalm 119, verse 28. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. You can email me, michelle at michellenizet.com. I have been extra blessed this week with emails from Julie and Leslie and Tom, all either giving me encouraging words or sharing how they are um, engaging in God's word in fresh ways or sharing God's word with others in new ways. I really, really do love hearing from you. So you can email me or you can hop on social media like X at Michelle Nizat, Instagram at Michelle Nizat, or Michelle L. Nizat is my public Facebook page. And we can talk together about what you're learning. Now, More Than a Song is a proud member of the NRT Podcast Network. You can check out other podcasts in the network and Christian music resources at newreleasetoday.com. And then again, don't forget to grab that episode guide at michellenizat.com forward slash 478 download. And with that in mind, I want to thank my newest subscribers who've subscribed lately, like Elizabeth from California, Diane from Michigan, M from Washington, Donna from North Carolina, Frida from New York, Patty from Michigan, Lisa from Arizona, Douglas from West Virginia, Sheila from South Carolina, Amy from Michigan, Annalise from South Africa, Robert from Louisiana, Bailey from Colorado, Julie from Georgia, Tom from Michigan, uh, Sandy from Alabama, Lisa from North Carolina, and Jason from Indiana. Welcome. Now, don't forget, you can listen to the podcast directly on my website at michellenizette.com or your podcast listening app of choice. And if you haven't left a 
review yet, you can do that today by heading over to lovethepodcast.com forward slash more than a song and leave a review like Schwartza 567 did saying deep theological truths and deep scripture. That is clear. Thank you so much for taking the time to leave your review. Clarity over confusion and deep over shallow. That is totally my aim. So I love that you got that. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next time, I will be featuring Lead on Good Shepherd by Patrick Mayberry to dive into scripture. If you liked this episode, however, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, X, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 478. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.